Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Soto Mojo podcast. This is Colby Patnode. I am a co-host of the podcast. I'm also the uh, co-site expert at SotoMojo.com. And before we get started with today's show, um, we need to talk about something that is happening in the uh, in the real world here, for lack of a better term. Um, our dear our dear buddy uh, Dan Clark, who used to be a contributor at SotoMojo.com, he was the co-host of this show way back when it started. Um, Dan lives in Australia. And if you guys have been paying any attention whatsoever to the news right now, you know that Australia um, is in the midst of probably the worst string of wildfires in recorded history. Um, there are people who have lost everything. Hundreds of thousands of people have been displaced. Thankfully, Dan and his wife and his daughter and the rest of his family are safe and they are healthy. Uh, but there are still so many people who need our help. So if you guys could please look at the list of links that we have left in the description and consider donating to any one of those causes to help Australia and its people rebuild from a devastating fire that hopefully will come to an end very quickly. Please consider donating and enjoy the rest of the show. When you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No, God, please, no, no! There is some potential there if he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey guys, what's going on? And welcome to the Soto Mojo podcast. This is Colby Patnode. I'm joined, as usual, by Ty Gonzalez. Uh, Ty, how uh, how's your week been? Uh, it's been solid. It's been uh, you know kind of relaxing. Been uh, a little busy here and there, but uh, looking forward to talking some ball. Even though you know I I, I more so got the Seahawks on my mind with a big game in Lambeau coming up this weekend. Yeah, but uh, and I'm sure you you might have a comment or two about uh, Mike Leach getting uh, or going uh, to to Mississippi State. So uh, some football thoughts, but this is a baseball podcast. So <laughs> yeah, Mike Leach about two weeks after signing a one year extension for w- for his WSU contract says, mm, "I like Ole Miss or I like Mississippi State better, so I'm leaving you high and dry." after a lot of the good college coaches and all that, it's kind of settled. Um, very Mike Leach move. Uh, not all that surprised, but hey, you know what? Maybe the Cougars can hire somebody who stands a chance of beating U-Dub. That would be fun. So um, good luck to them. Uh, you know, that, that's just a fact. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, like you said, this is a baseball podcast. Um, but I would just like to say all hail DK Metcalf, our overlord. Yeah. Uh, so accept that into your life and it will be better. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, this is indeed a baseball podcast and it's, it's kind of, uh, tough right now to, uh, we're kind of in that weird area where there's no moves being made, really, uh, no significant moves being made, but we're still far enough away from spring training and actual cactus league games where we can't really break down the roster yet. It just kind of this messy gray area where we're just kind of, waiting 
uh, for something to happen. Um, so I think, um, you know, uh, there's a few things we're going to talk about today. One of them is uh, StatCast has added a uh, infield outs above average, which is a defensive metric. Um, you know, it's it's pretty straightforward. This is you take an average player at the position and you know, you find out how many more outs that player got you than the average player. Um, and so obviously the higher the number, the better. Zero is considered average. And there were some pretty interesting uh, notes here, uh, you know, regarding the Mariners. So we're going to talk about that today. And also we have a few uh, questions rolling in here, uh, which is good to see because we really had nothing uh, to talk about. So um, let's talk about this uh, infield above average or infield outs above average. Um so, Ty, I already told you who the top five was. Um, Matt Chapman not being in it, which is a bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to... Uh, I don't know if I told you... I, I told you who the Mariners' number one infielder was. I don't think I told you where he ranked. So, where do you think the Mariners' highest infielder ranked in outs above average? Um, probably in the somewhere in between like 20 and 40. Uh, yeah, the answer is 65, 65th. Jeez, yeah. Kyle Seeger um, at plus two, uh, which, mm-hmm. is, which is good. Um, yeah, and that was done in, what, 98 games? Right, something like that. games, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, he's right there with good buddy Justin Smoke over at first base. Um, yeah, you know, at third base, he's Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon got uh, two... Um, you know, so that's kind of, kind of about right. Seager's above average. I mean, I think that's something we pretty much knew. I mean, I don't really have any, that, that doesn't surprise me. I should say, I mean, Seager can still play third base. So you said Javier Barros was, was number one, right? So let me just uh, run down that top five real fast. Sure. Um, in case you guys are curious, number one is Javi Baez of the Cubs, 19 outs above average at shortstop. Uh, number two is Nolan Arenado. Um, number three is Andrelton Simmons. Uh, number four is Nick Ahmed. And number five was Trevor Story, uh, shortstop of the uh, Rockies. Uh, Matt Chapman, if you guys are curious, uh, he was sixth, and Matt Olson was eighth. So, yes, your eyes don't lie to you. That duo is extremely annoying. Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado, and they want to trade Arenado. Interesting. Yeah. According Very to Rosenthal, it's it's inevitable either this winter or at the deadline. So that feels like stupid. a bad. Yeah, that <laughs> feels bad. <laughs> Seems stupid. I think. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I guess whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about the, these metrics and kind of where they stand here. Um, so Seager is at plus two, uh, which is 65th in all of baseball, uh, regardless of position. Um, so where do you think the next highest Mariner ended up? I think you said it earlier when you were going down the list. I think you said like 81 or something like that, right? Uh, that's correct, yeah. Yeah. Um, J.P. Crawford uh, finished at plus two. Um, it's pretty. Uh, I think that's about right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. above, again, above average. 
Yep. Not, not elite, but above average. Um, yep. There's this really cool thing. If you guys want to go to baseballsavant.mlb.com and look at this, um, they have this chart, kind of a pie chart, broken down into um, you know how many outs above average they have uh, at each section. So going left, going back, going right, and coming in. Um, J.P. Crawford is uh, apparently very good at coming in on the ball, um, fielding that and throwing on the run. He got a plus four on balls he had to charge. Um, interestingly, he got a negative two in going to his right, um, and he was zero uh, up the middle into his uh, to his left. So uh, that's funny that he got the minus two on on his on going to his right, especially when you consider that like his best player of the year yeah, was exactly. going to his right. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, I think that's about, I, you know, I, I think I look at this list and I kind of go, yeah, you know, that's Crawford's above average at shortstop, maybe average to above average somewhere in there. Seager's above average, still at third base. And, you know, you kind of look at it you start thinking about where the Mariners starting infield was last year on opening day. Do you remember that defensive alignment? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. Ryan Healy at third base. Yep. Tim Beckham at shortstop. Uh, D. Gordon at second. Like, okay. uh, yeah, that's fine. Jay Bruce at first. Uh, <laughs> God, I've, I've forgot Jay Bruce played for the Mariners <laughs> until now. <laughs> yeah, we all wish we could forget. <clears throat> Actually, Bruce was pretty good. Uh, I like Jay Bruce. But yeah, he was, he was not good um, defensively. Um, so... Although Bruce might have been DH, I don't remember exactly what the opening day. It was either Encarnacion or Bruce. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Bruce, yeah. I think Encarnacion was the DH. But yeah, um, safe to say that the defense got better, or will be better, on the infield this year. Yeah, I, I mean, mean you, hard to you, be worse. Yeah, you put Evan White in there. Yep. Um, what did Matt Olson get this year? Uh, Matt Olson finished eighth. He was at a um, plus twelve. Yeah, I, like I don't think Evan White will get to plus plus twelve in his first year. I mean, maybe, but I could see him doing plus eight, plus nine. Yeah, he's good enough. Um, yeah. You know, the, the thing to remember about first base, um, particularly with the defensive metrics, uh, they don't account for things like handling bad throws yet. Um, you know, this mm. appears, and again, I, I haven't done a deep dive into, uh, their math. I'm not 100% sure, um, you know, how it, it appears to be more of a range type of thing, uh, mm -hmm. than it is other skills. Uh, so it doesn't account for, you know, well, it just, it doesn't account for that first baseman, you know, making the, the scoop of the bad, of the bad low throw or, coming off the bag and getting the tag down and things like that doesn't really account for that. So this is solely based on range. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, I, I mean, Evan White is going to be the best first baseman the Mariners have had probably since John Olerud. Yeah. I mean, certainly better than Adam Lind, clearly better than Deho Lee. That guy couldn't play. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it just, White is going to be really good, and I think he's going to make the rest of his infield better. Um, 
So, uh, but speaking of first baseman, uh, Ty and I had some fun looking at some of the Mariners here. Um, Daniel Vogelback, who, uh, you know, we, we, we poke fun at for playing first base and, uh, it's not the, the best looking, um, you know, experiment out there. Uh, but Daniel Vogelback actually came in at negative one at first base, <laughs> just slightly below average. Very slightly above, below average. Yeah. Who are some of the names that he is surrounded by? At first base or just in general? Or just in general. Who's that negative <laughs> one along with Daniel Vogelbach? Uh, let's Cornelius. see. Yep, yeah, Cornelius, of course. Uh, ben Zobrist. Okay. Luis Urias. I mean, yeah. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Rowdy Tellez. That makes I, sense. He's basically just another... Cornelius. You should yeah. know. He's, did I say yeah. his last name right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Santana, former Mariner. Yeah. Okay. He's at negative one. Um, Pablo Sandoval. That makes sense. <laughs> yep. Um, Martin Prado. Jose okay. Ozuna. And then I think these next five are probably pretty uh, surprising to most people. Mitch Moreland mm-hmm. is actually ranked below Daniel Vogelback. At first base, defensively. Wow. Um, This is the world we live in. Right, and again, this is just range. It doesn't account for, you know, scooping balls out of the dirt and uh, things like that. Um, But yeah, uh, Cattell Marte is also a negative one. Wow, wow. Jake Lamb is a negative one. Mm -hmm. Josh Harrison's a negative one. Hmm. Ronald Guzman is that negative one. Right. I mean, Interesting. Yeah. Also, by the way, former Mariner Mike Freeman. Oh, yeah. Mike Robinson Freeman. Cano, negative one. Oh. Jose Altuve, negative one. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's I did not see that coming. By the way, Brad Ooh. Miller, negative two. Um, so what you're saying is Brad Miller is basically equally oh, I, the same defender as Jose Altuve. I, I apologize. That was uh, that's Dylan Moore is actually a negative two. I I don't know why I said Brad Miller. Oh, okay. But yeah, Strange. Dylan Moore's okay. a negative two. Oh, no, there's Brad Miller right below Dylan Moore. Dylan yeah. Moore, 155. Brad Miller, 156. Oh. Uh, both at negative two. Shed Long comes in at 159, negative two at second base. Um, so your point is we should have never let Brad Miller go. Brad I mean, Miller better than Shed Long. That's been my point for like five years now, but yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of interesting about Shed Long here is that he's graded out at second base at negative two um he is average going in every direction as ty chokes <laughs> yeah he's average at going every direction except for to his uh to his right so towards second base he's at negative wow. two um you know i think actually points to a, you know a pretty good chance that he could be you know an average second baseman which has kind of been the big uh I, you know, just for reference here, this this will this will make you happy, Ty, because I know oh. you really like this comp, Ozzy Albies, oh. negative oh. two. Oh, <laughs> see, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny about Albies is he is horrific going to his right, negative ten. Jesus, really? Going to his right, yep. But he is eight at going to his left, one at coming in, negative one at going back. So, um, yeah, so. Your shed long comp to Ozzy Albies just gets stronger every day, man. Damn. 
Truly, I am the pro scout. <laughs> By the way, uh, this does take in, yeah, of course, this does take into account arm. Um, that does factor into outs above average. Um, okay. So, yeah, I'm just learning that now. Do you want to take a guess at who the worst infielder was according to outs above average in 2019? Sorry, worst worst infielder? Yes. Uh, just for any team? Yep, in all of baseball. Is it a Mariner? No, it is not. Uh, the lowest Mariner is Tim Beckham, okay. uh, who, to be fair, is the sixth worst defender in all of baseball. Um, negative Jeez, nine. Jeez, I'm trying to think. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Okay. Um, he plays ball where you live. Oh, okay. Um, hold on, let me just go through it. Uh, <laughs> go through the Rolodex in your head there. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, Vlad Jr. or yes. Kevin? Really? Yeah. Yes, negative 16. Jesus. Negative 10 coming in. Negative four to his left, negative two to his right. Average see, going back. See, this is what I this is what I was saying last year. Everyone was getting so hype over a, over a career DH. That's all he's gonna be. <laughs> like, uh. This really is fun to go through because you hear like we all know players who have certain reputations for being good defenders and whatnot. Right. Uh, Eric Hosmer, two hundred fourth. Wow. Negative six. Significantly yeah. worse than Daniel Vogel. I mean, uh, I mean, ever since Hosmer has gone to San Diego, his career has oh, just been a massive gone down. Yeah, yeah. I I find this like Didi Gregorius, uh, you know, second runner up for worst defender, negative thirteen. Fernando Ooh. Tatis Jr. also a negative thirteen. Wow. That's really surprising. Yeah. I thought he was pretty good. Like, just in my head, I just figured that he was pretty good. Yeah. I I mean, <clears throat> so defensive metrics, as we kind of wrap up here, defensive metrics are still a work in progress. Um, right. You know, and there are certain – it's just – it's tough to stick a number on these type of things. But, uh, yeah, that is interesting how, you know, sometimes our idea of who's good isn't really supported by data. Um the one guy we didn't really talk about, or two guys actually, um, Austin Nola mm-hmm. at first base. He was one. He was a one. Plus one. Look yep. at him. Mm-hmm. Austin Nola, man. Just ball player. <clears throat> yeah. He, really, he, really solid. He's that Seth Smith like. Yeah. How do you describe him? Oh, he's, he's a ball player. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just a um, gamer. Uh, yep. Are we are we gonna call him dad now? <laughs> no. Uh Scott Service is definitely the dad. He even has like the corny jokes and no real plan of action, just kinda like, oh well, I mean, it'll work out in the end. Um Maybe well, John Hammond was right about having no plan after all. <laughs> he was just talking about was. service. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and by the way, uh D Gordon, you want to take a stab where he landed? Uh probably in the two hundreds. Somewhere, uh, one seventeen. Yeah, he's at zero. Yeah, um, feels about yeah. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he struggles to go to his right. He's pretty good at charging the ball, making plays on those. That makes sense. 
So yeah, so that's that's quite a bit of fun to uh, to look at. It's a new stat that they've added in Statcast. They've had outfield outs above average um, for a long time. So who uh, was the uh, number one second baseman? Because I assume Baez was shortstop, right? Yeah, he was shortstop. Let me pull it up real fast here. I switched over to outfield outs above average because there's a uh, pretty surprising um, group. The best second baseman is uh, Adam Frazier of the Pirates. Interesting. Followed by Colton Wong. And, uh, you know, right behind both of them, uh, Starlin Castro. Wow. Yep. He just uh, signed with someone, uh, the Nationals, I think, right? Yep. To play third base. Interesting. Uh, Kevin Biggio kind of rounds out the top five there at second base. Um, here's a fun one. Who do you think the best defensive outfielder was from the Mariners last year? Just real fast, and we'll wrap this up. Uh, Braden Bishop. No. Believe it or not, the Malik's? best. Yes. Wow. Believe it or not, the best Mariner outfielder by outs above average last year was Malik Smith. And here's the kicker: he finished eighth in all of baseball. What? Yeah. Okay. All right. No, there's something wrong. <laughs> Malik Smith finished with 10 outs above average. What? Get the frick out of here. <laughs> he expected catch percentage of 87%, which is right in the top, you know, 2%. Uh, actual catch percentage, 90%. And uh, he made, so, I mean, the three, uh, he basically, he caught the balls he was supposed to. And believe it or not, he caught more than he was, you know, statistically supposed to. Malik Smith, he finished behind, or he finished between Manny Margot, and then this is a weird one, Mike Talkman. Okay, yeah. The Yankees. By the way, Keon Broxton, 10th. <laughs> Jesus. I, yeah, Malik Smith was 10 outs above average. Byron Buxton was 12. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. So yeah, okay. clearly there's still some work to do here, but yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I just, I just, I thought that was interesting. So anyways, guys, thanks for uh, sticking through us with that little uh, nerd exposition here. Uh, Mariners. Yeah. I guess, you know, kind of the, the bottom line there is Mariners infield defense is going to be significantly better this year. Um, dare I say even a, a positive. Are there even uh, stats in there for guys like Braden Bishop, Kyle Lewis, Jake no, Bradley. I don't think there's a big enough sample size. I don't. Okay. Let me do a quick search here. I just I don't think they got enough balls hit to him. Right. Nothing on Bishop. Then I assume there's probably nothing on Lewis or. Yeah, nothing uh, on Lewis. Is there something for Tim Lopes? Um, maybe not on the leaderboard, but I'm sure. It might be interesting to look at. Nothing on Lopes. Um, I think this has a pretty high bar for, I see. uh, by the way, um, you want to guess who the worst defensive outfielder was last year? <clears throat> um, is it a Mariner? I would no. assume it's Domingo. Domingo no? Santana, second to last. Second. Wow. There was someone worse than Domingo Santana last year. Not only that, significantly worse. Really? Well, All I right. mean. Relatively speaking, is it like a like a guy that's typically a DH? No, really. 
You played on a contender? Playoff team? Jose Martinez? Nope. I haven't seen Martinez on this thing yet. Uh, all right, let way. me get one more. Let me get one more crack at it. All right. Uh, hmm. I'm trying to think about all the teams. Ian Desmond, he played outfield last year, right? I don't know. Uh, he may have played outfield. Oh yeah, but the Rockies were in a playoff team. Um, Desmond finished 81st, by the way. Out of yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Lay it on me. Eddie Rosario of the Twins. You know what's funny? I was actually thinking about that, but I was like, no, uh, he's probably pretty good. Negative wow. 17. Wow. I didn't know Eddie Rosario was that bad on that. Yeah. Now, Domingo no. Santana, negative 13. <sighs> wow. By the way, just ahead of Santana, Shinsu Chu. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Kyle yeah. Schwarber also in this list. Right. Uh, negative 10. Charlie Blackman, negative 9. Andrew Benatendi, a negative 10. Ooh, I didn't know Mar- that. Marcelo Zuna, negative 8. Uh, you know, Nicholas Castellanos, negative 7. Yeah, I was also I was debating Ozuna or Castellanos. Yeah, it's, Alex Gordon was not good last year. Negative 5. So, um, yeah, you know... Um, Mitch Haniger is still the best outfielder available right now, and teams should go trade for him instead of spending money on guys who can't play defense. So, um, although I don't think Haniger, you know, really favored the problem with Haniger when you look at like his defensive metrics, is that he plays enough center field that it affects how good that it like affects his metrics, mm-hmm. um, just enough so that this, it has to be included in the sample. He's a below average center fielder, um, but you know it is what it is. So anyways, uh, thanks for uh, indulging us in our little nerd fest there. Uh, Mariners defense going to be better than it was last year. Quite frankly, it would be very hard to be worse. So, um, yeah, <laughs> let's go ahead. Let's dive into these questions. We have three right now. We'll see if we get any while we record. Um, but we have three. So uh, let's go ahead and let's uh, let's dive into a couple of these. Um, at Dane Sellers on Twitter, um, Dane asks, uh, "When will Jerry make a move?" <laughs> I'm going crazy over here. Same. Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, hopefully soon. Hopefully something. Hopefully Taiwan Walker or another reliever, something like that. Alex um, Wood. Yeah, Alex Wood. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. Yeah. It just, you know, there's been a few moves that have been made recently that you're just like, why, why not? You know, um, Hector Rendon got a one year, $3 million deal. I mean, that's a no brainer. That was uh, uh Minnesota, right? I think so. Not a hundred percent sure. Um, I know that, uh, Jimmy Nelson went to the Dodgers. Yep. Um, one year team option attached to that heavily incentivized it's exactly the type of deal the Mariners should be looking at. Um, now if, you know, Jimmy Nelson wants to go, you know, try and pitch for a contender, then the Mariners can't offer that right now. So, yeah. Um, 
But money wise, you know, there's been a few deals like that that I'm just looking at going. That makes a lot of sense for Seattle. Um, but like I said, you know, it takes two to tango. The other, the player has to be interested in coming to your town, pitching for your team. I mean, it's just it's been a really slow. The market really has you know ground to a halt. Um, it it seems like most teams are waiting for Donaldson and Ozuna to sign. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little flurry on the trade market after those two guys sign. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Jerry's got to do something this month, right? Like, uh, he, there's a lot of stuff. Yes. I mean, I don't know. It's, I wrote about this at sotomojo.com. Um, just kind of a depressing off season. Uh, it's just been like there's so many things the Mariners had to do to just survive 2020, and they've done like half of them. Yeah. So, I I don't know when Jerry's going to make a move. Um, I hope it's soon. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really. I. I could easily see them saying, you know what? We like where we're at. We have plenty of opportunity to give to our younger players to, to play and actually see what they have. And, um, you know, and hopefully that experience, you know, that amount of experience we can give them will help them develop into uh, promising players that can contribute to a contending team in 2021, which is, you know, has been the, has been the goal or the outspoken goal at least of, of the Mariners front office. And um, I don't know, but you know, I could also easily see them go out, get a couple of guys on, on the free agent market, make a couple trades here and there, make, you know, kind of like a Tom Murphy trade, you know, like how they did last year. And, um, you know, taking a couple chances on some guys. I don't know. It's it. I I I don't think the Mariners are done. I think again, like you said, after Ozuna and uh, Donaldson sign, the floodgates will open, and teams will start filling out their rosters. And I think the Mariners will be among those teams. Right. I mean, like they still have what seven weeks or so. Yeah, uh, and they don't have to sign everyone or trade for everyone by spring training or by catcher, pitchers and catchers. No, like, uh, you know they could trade, um, you know, guys who will be out of options, yeah. um, things like that. So I mean, it's, like I said, like with the Tom Murphy thing, you know, right. last year, like like how they did last year, you know, that that's a guy that wasn't even there for all spring training. They traded for him right before they headed off to Japan. Right after, I think. Or right after, yeah. It was yeah. right after. So, I mean... Yeah, because Freitas was a part of the team yep. in Japan, and then they traded Freitas to Milwaukee. Yep. Um, don't ask me for who. Sal, was like, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Sal Pasai or something yeah, like that? Yeah, Biazzi or something. Yeah, something like that. Whatever. Uh, either way, yeah. So, I mean, they still have time. Like, it's, it's not time to panic. Um, you know, and I probably did a poor job of 
conveying that sentiment in the article I wrote. Um, but I think it's fair to, you know, have questions about, Hey, are you really, you're going to, you're thinking that going into the season with Justin Dunn at the major leagues is a good idea. Like really Kyle Lewis, you're just going to give him the left field job. I, I think there's, you know, some fair uh, criticisms to be had there. It's just, it doesn't, especially in the starting rotation, man. Um, you know, you have one starting pitcher that you know can get you through an entire season. Yeah. And it's Marco. <clears throat> I mean, right now, Justice Sheffield is your number three. Mm-hmm. Kendall Graveman is your four. Uh, it is. Go sign some starting pitchers. Um, I don't. I don't really care how good they are. I hope they have some major league experience. But you can't just sacrifice Justin Dunn to the Wolves before he's ready. Because what you didn't want to spend the extra three million dollars to make sure Taiwan Walker signed here. I don't know. Maybe you should be talking to. Uh, maybe they are. Maybe you should be talking to Tommy Malone and uh, Wade LeBlanc. I mean, something, anything. Um, like I said, obviously they're not done yet. I, I have, if they go into opening day and they haven't made any like serious, you know, additions, then uh-huh. this off season will be complete and total failure. I mean, there's, there's no way around it. You, you have to give your young guys a chance to develop, but you can't force them to be ready before they're ready. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how that plays out. I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that question. I don't know when they might make another move, uh, but I feel pretty confident that they're going to make several. So uh-huh. stay tuned, like the rest of us. All right. Um, so uh, next up, we have a question from Mariners fan oh uh, one. His Twitter handle is at uh, Wit Tyler uh, thirteen. I think I'm saying that right. Um, he wants to know what the ceiling on Sam Carlson is. Ooh. It's a pretty interesting it's a, question. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think it's one that we would probably be able to better answer if we were able to see him and where he's at right now. Sure. Uh, with his rehab. Uh, we've heard good things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, uh, yeah, I'm unsure as to, you know, just where everything's at and what he'll look like in, in game action, you know, going up against opposing headers and everything. Um, sure. I don't know. Um, I, I think right now I, I, I would set expectations fairly low. Um, probably, you know, maybe middle to back of the rotation guy right now. Sure. With help some more. Yeah, I think... Um, so a few things, you know, when you talk to Sam Carlson, um, what we know is, is that the Mariners have said that Carlson was healthy enough to pitch, uh, last year, August or September. Mm-hmm. Um, but the team decided why push it? Let's just give, I mean, we're not going to get anything out of these next two months, nothing relevant anyways. So let's not push it. He'll just, he'll throw some in. Uh, you know, at the Arizona facility and whatnot, but no, no affiliated ball. Uh, but he was healthy enough to do that last year if the Mariners had chosen um, in August or September. Uh, they chose not to. So uh, that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is 
you know, I'm hearing velocity is back. Like yeah. it's back to where it was pre-surgery. Uh, obviously, you know, typically it's not the velocity. That's a problem. The year, the year you come back from Tommy John, it's usually more command, um, you know, and snappiness of the breaking balls and whatnot. Uh, you just, you just takes a while to get a feel, you know, you have to get a feel for the, for the ball. Um, so it's just, you know, he's, he's progressing well is what I would say. Um, he will start, I'm sure, uh, he'll probably start the year either in extended spring training. Um, but he's going to play affiliated ball next year. Um, West Virginia, not out of the question for him, uh, starting the year in West Virginia, that is. Um, but you know, it's possible to keep him in Arizona and then send him out to Everett, um, you know, in June. Uh, but yeah, he's, you know, drafted in the second round of the Evan white draft. He's 18 years old at the time. Now he's 21, I think. Uh, so it's basically like a, a, basically a fresh start here. Um, I can tell you when he came out of college or when he came out of high school, uh, you know, 93 to 95 with the fastball with some pretty good run to it, uh, up to 97 before the Tommy John surgery, uh, with a good breaking ball, good av- above average breaking ball. And the separator there was the changeup, which was supposed to be a plus pitch for him. Uh, super advanced for a high school kid, especially a high school kid who could literally dominate with just a fastball, uh, and his breaking ball. So, um, but he had a great changeup, really good, uh, really good athlete. He was going to go to the University of Florida, uh, where he was going to play both ways. Uh, he was going to play right field and pitch uh, before the Mariners uh, gave him just over two million dollars to uh, forget about the University of Florida. Um, you know, so back when he was drafted, his ceiling was his absolute ceiling was a number two. Um, I, so I, but like Ty said, without him having pitched in basically two years, I think, you, you know, you dial back the expectations a little bit. It's probably going to be another two years before he's, you know, we're talking about him as a major league uh, roster type of guy. Um, but yeah, I think number three starter with some upside. I think that's probably about right. I mean, he's got legitimate stuff or he did. Um, and he had above average command. So if all that returns, and it might take him a year or two to get back there, um, yeah, he he could be a number three, number two. Um, You know, he could be Logan Gilbert. So uh, we'll see how all that goes. But, yeah, I I think, you know, expecting him to be a a number three is a pretty fair and reasonable expectation. Sure, yeah. He'll be a a fun guy to track throughout the year. Um, Like I said, it. Hopefully he starts at West Virginia, um, but they're not going to push him. So we'll, we'll see how it starts. But, yeah, he's definitely one of those guys who, um, you know, we'll see where we rank him in our site's uh, ranks uh, later this month or early next month. Um, he'll probably come in, you know, top 15-ish, um, I would imagine. Uh, that's a guy who, what, could be top seven or eight when we re- yeah. when we re-rank in July. I mean, I could see it. So, uh, he's a good pitcher. Definitely a guy worth watching. Um, final, final question that we have today, um, or that we've gotten in our time frame here, comes from uh, Dusty Burson Moore. Um, 
Okay. Um, on Twitter, the Twitter handle is uh, D Wave Burson. Um, and they want to know, uh, or they say, Jerry seems to be hinting at some trade targets for the midseason. Uh, do you have any guesses who they could be? Uh, I clarified the, uh, I asked for clarification. Uh, he's specifically asking for additions. Um, so do you have any, uh, like players or type of players that you could see Seattle maybe buying at the trade deadline this year? Ooh, um, I mean, I think whoever it would be, it's probably going to be a pitcher. It's probably going to be, uh, you know, similar to what the Reds did last year with Trevor Bauer. Right. Um, I don't particularly have someone in mind. Well, one is uh, Noah Syndergaard, someone we we talked about last year. Um, that you know, if the Mets continue to be average at best this year, maybe that's a guy that that is on the market, and you might be able to, you know, uh, get for maybe a little less than you thought. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's going to it's going to take significant pieces, whoever it is. Um, and you know, scared money don't make none. <laughs> and and uh, you know, the, the at at a certain point, the Mariners are finally going to have to make these decisions. And I don't think that it will be anyone that's going to cost them Julio Rodriguez, Jerry Kelnick, etc. I think it's just going to be an opportunity that presents themselves or that presents itself to themselves. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I could see it being someone like Sundergaard, but it's going to have to be a scenario where it's a player that maybe his time has run out in the current place that he's in. Maybe the front office is a little fed up and they just want to get it over with. And um, I think someone like Syndergaard could be that guy, um, especially with the horrific decisions the Mets organization has have made over the last couple of years. It's their MO. Um, yeah, you know, it's such uh, to really nail down names because we don't know who's going to be, uh, you know, with so many teams actually trying to go for it this year, trying to be a contender, um, which wasn't the case the last few years. Um, it's tough to nail down who might be available. Um, obviously a guy like Trevor Bauer, uh, not him exactly, but somebody like that making money kind of coming up on free agency, you know, in the right deal, uh, that can make sense for Seattle, especially if it's a, you know, a pitcher who like Bauer, who's been really good, um, for a long time. Although Bauer was pretty bad last year, but, uh, you know, that type of mold, that type of guy, um, one of the guys that, you know, I kind of, or two, two of the guys maybe, that kind of come to mind right away, Matt Boyd, uh, yep. the Detroit Tigers. You know, they've been shopping him for two years now. Um, the Mariners had interest at one point. Um, then Boyd had a really good first half last year, and Detroit held on to him for some reason. And then, you know, Matt Boyd became Matt Boyd again. And uh, he had a really struggled in the second half of last year, but still, you know, a number number four, number five pitcher who can miss bat, or number four, number three, uh, who can miss bats. Um, you know, quality starter, uh, three, you know, three win guy, FIPS in the uh, you know in the low fours type of player. 
uh, that can make a lot of sense. Um, the other guy that kind of jumped out to mind, um, what about a guy like David Dahl from the uh, Colorado Rockies? Yeah. Uh, you know, young, three years of club control. Uh, at, well, at the uh, in July this year, two and a half years of club control. There's some good upside there. He can hit. He's got some power. Um, decent base runner. Uh, Colorado, if they're trading, um, you know, if they're trading. Nolan Arenado, then they probably need to look to trade just about everybody. Um, so Dahl could be that guy. Uh, maybe it's uh, Jonathan Gray. Uh, that's a possibility as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, there, there's there's a few guys. Um, this is a question that's going to be a lot easier to answer in uh, June and July. Um, you know, in fact, June and July, our website basically becomes nothing but trade talk. So, um, you know, it's it's tough to say, you know, right now, because, I mean, we don't know. What if we come to July and, you know, Jake Fraley is hitting 280, 350, 500 mm. with 14 home runs and 13 steals? Well, you probably don't need David Dahl then. You're probably okay. Um, but, you know, what if Fraley can't hit major league pitching? What if? Braden Bishop can't. What if they've traded Mitch Haniger? What if, you know, Kyle Lewis comes up and struggles and he gets sent back down? I mean, there's so many different variables. It's tough to say, but uh, I keep coming. I keep coming back to Matt Boyd. That just, I mean, there seems to be so much. I mean, circumstantial evidence certainly, but evidence at least that the Mariners are interested in Boyd to some degree. Um, whether or not Detroit ever decides to be reasonable with their asking price. We'll see. But that's kind of a guy I could see them, you know, maybe adding. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't think they're going to go out and add. I, I don't foresee any scenario where the team is, like, surprisingly good and, like, ahead of schedule to where they can compete for a division in 2021. So they're not going to go out and trade for Chris Bryant or, you know, Trevor Story or Nolan Arenado or, you know, whoever it is. I, I don't think they're going to be in that market, but the kind of secondary market, some guys with some control, you know, above average major leaguers, I, I think they could definitely be players in that market. And I think they kind of have to be. If they're not going to be this winter, I think they, you know, more or less they need to be aggressive at the deadline because if their goal really is 2021, they have a 0% chance of getting there without adding – significant major league talent mm -hmm. and they didn't do it this winter or they haven't yet at least that pretty much leaves next summer and next winter that's a lot to try and do in one winter so they need to be active at the trade deadline or they need to you know amend amend their their timeline and say well 2022 is really what we're going for um so we'll see but uh yeah i think I think that's about it. I mean, I, I do. You, okay, here, do you think the Mariners are going to make? I don't want to say a major trade, but do you think they make a significant trade uh, no. between? No, no, no. Between now and July. Oh, now in July. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought you were just talking about between now and spring training. Um, uh, I don't see that. Okay, so so you're saying so before July. 
So meaning no sure. deadline, no deadline moves. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, the Mariners, well, Jerry DePoto specifically had, has typically made at least one move by May-ish. Sure. And it's been fairly significant. Um, I think, uh, you know, the Denard oh. Span column A trade in 2018, and I think last year was Austin Adams. And then he also traded away Encarnacion and Bruce. Yep, Bruce was late May. Encarnacion was mid June. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I I think that I could. Yeah, I, I could definitely see them uh, in terms of adding. I mean, it would kind of have to be adding because there aren't a whole lot of players on their current roster that they should be trading. You know, unless it's Steve Gordon, um, which isn't going to happen. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll say probably. I think they'll add someone. Maybe it's just someone that helps them in 2020. Sure. You know, say they're maybe a middle of the pack team, you know, and they're performing at that level. Maybe they go out and get someone that can maybe swing things in their favor, but doesn't really cost them a whole lot, and they're just kind of seeing what they have. Right. I think it might be one of those moves rather than something that's for the future. Yeah. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I would say if you're hoping for, you know, the type of player that is going to require the Mariners to give up Kelnick, Rodriguez or Gilbert, you're you're going to be disappointed. I, I don't think those guys are can reasonably be called tradable. I yeah. mean, nobody's untouchable because, you know, nobody is. You know, if the would Angels you offer, would you I trade crop. any of those guys for Arenado? Uh, I mean, Arenado's making a lot of money. Uh, I think the issue, the big issue is, is for me at least, is that there. I'm pretty sure there's an opt out in that contract. Okay. Um, it is. Yeah, he can opt out after 2021. Um, now, I mean, you would opt out of $35 million, which is already pretty much top of market. So it's not a guarantee that he opts out, but if he's not a fan of Seattle and he decides to leave, that's an awful big risk to give up, you know, Kelnick and Rodriguez, who you know you're going to have for six years. Um, so I don't based on what they've done this off season, I would say no. Now they'd gone out and they had signed Zach Wheeler or whatever. And, you know, they had, I don't know who, whatever they signed Marcel Zuna to be the DH or whatever. Then, yeah, because then 2021 seems realistic, but I just, the opt out scares me enough. Um, if I knew I was going to get Aaron Otto for six years, uh, the remainder of his contract, uh yeah, I I would do that because that's a I mean Arenado's like a what five to seven win player pretty much guaranteed. Yeah, I mean that's bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, and so you hope that Kelnick can be a five win player. You hope that Rodriguez can be a five win player. You know Arenado is a five win player. So yeah, if, if it wasn't for the opt out, I would. But because of the opt out and because of how they've kind of approached this off season, 
probably not. Right. All right. So uh, I think that's all the questions we have for today. So uh, that's going to wrap up this podcast. Ty, you have anything you want to say before we uh, sign off? Uh, let's get your uh, let's get your Seahawk prediction for the weekend. Okay. Um, let's see. Well, I, at uh, Twelfth Man Rising, which is the fan-sided uh, Seahawks site that I write for on occasion, um, I actually picked Green Bay to win 20, 23 to twenty, I think. But I tell you, I go back and forth on this pretty much by the minute. Um, mm-hmm. Like. Right now, I'm actually feeling pretty good. I think, you know, I think they stand a good chance of beating them. Um, you know, you talk to me in five minutes, and I'd be like, yeah, well, you know, I thought about it. And I, the two teams are so, it might, they're pretty evenly matched. Um, both really good in one possession games. Um, it's kind of interesting, you know, uh, Green Bay's offense is middle of the road at best. Um, Seattle's defense is bad. But Seattle has a good offense, and Green Bay's defense is kind of middle of the road. Um, I mean, I don't. Green Bay is like a nine and seven team that's thirteen and three, um, and you probably easily say the same thing about Seattle. So I don't. I don't know. You know, it's um, I, it's tough, man. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I just. I don't know. I mean. Uh... I've seen the the Seahawks go on the road and the divisional round many times and have laid an egg in the first half and yep. come back in the second half, but it's just been a little too short. You know, you think about the Carolina game, you think about the uh, Atlanta game and Russell's uh, rookie year, and I think it's a bad matchup for them. I think uh, you know a guy like Aaron Jones uh, with that speed and how they use him in the passing game and everything that, that that might be a bit of a problem. You know, you saw how much they struggled with, uh, I think Boston Scott last week. (laughs) Yeah. Um, similar type of running backs. Yeah. And I, um, I don't know. You know, their receiving core ultimately doesn't really scare me aside from Devontae Adams, but he could be a game wrecker. Um, certainly can. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I'm really scared about Trey Flowers in this game. Uh, he had a pretty, pretty mediocre game in Philly. Uh, yeah. I don't know. And then you know, it our offense against the Green Bay defense. If Dwayne Brown is playing, I feel a little bit better. But Zedaria Smith has been incredible this year. Preston Smith is really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Don't you feel uh, like I? To me, I feel like like uh, George Fant's been pretty darn good. At, yeah, George uh, Fant's been pretty good. Uh, Jamarco Jones has been really good when he's played guard, like yeah. at least in the not pass tackle. protection game. Not yeah. tackle. He is not yeah. a tackle. Yeah, I cannot stress this uh, enough. Do not play Jamarco Jones a tackle. Yeah. But on the inside, he's been really solid in pass protection. Uh, I don't know. I think I think this is it. I think this is it for the Seahawks. I think it ultimately... And then, you know, the Packers are going to go to San Francisco and get their ass kicked, um, which sucks because I hate losing to a team that's just, like, you know they're just going to go and lose. Uh, 
you know, I, I, I prefer losing to the team that goes on to win it all, honestly, because right. it's kind of, chance. yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's just, yeah, with Green Bay, you just, you know that they're either going to go to San Francisco and lose, or we're going to have, like, the worst NFC championship ever with the Vikings and oh, yeah. Packers, yeah. Just crown the AFC champion right there. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting about Green Bay is that their best win of the season I think you would agree. Going into Arrowhead and knocking off the Chiefs, that's really good, right? Yeah, but that was against Matt Moore. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. that's what I was about to say. But yeah. also, that's against Matt Moore, not Patrick Mahomes. And they won by seven. I mean, who am I as a Seahawks fan to to look at point differential and whatnot? I, <laughs> yeah. I, I understand that. Um, but it's like, that's their best win. They played San Francisco. They lost 37-8. to eight. Yeah, yeah. I just... You know, I, 30 set. They lost to the Chargers. I know. It's just a lot of bad things have happened in Lambeau, you know, in Russell's career. Uh, I don't know, man. Because for me, it's like, I don't like Russell. I, I see, throw, Russell has thrown a lot of picks to this team right. in the past. Right. And, you know, you can go back and look at all at all those picks and a great number of them. You can pretty much heap right onto Jermaine curse, oddly enough. Sure. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah, no. I mean, Russell hasn't played well at Lambeau. Yeah, Doug, uh, Doug Baldwin just literally like dropped one right into the hands of the Packer right. player and Lambeau right. a couple of, in that five interception game at Lambeau. It's just yeah, I, like I understand it's tough, but also you know I I really don't like like the stat that's kind of rolling around right now is the uh what it's been like seven thousand days since the Seahawks won at Lambeau Field. How the hell does that matter? How does a 1999 Seattle Seahawks affect the 2019 Seattle Seahawks? Yeah. It doesn't. So I mean, I don't know, man. I just I watched the I watched. Interestingly enough, my my uh, my dad is a Packers fan. Yeah, the rest of my, my family, my brother huge, is. Yeah, my brother rest of my is, family, so. huge Seahawk fans, yeah. and my family likes to yell during games a lot. <laughs> so guess who's going to the bar to watch this one? Yeah, this oh, guy. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I look at the Packers and I, I just don't come away all that impressed because I'm like, I, said, I mean, you could look at the Seahawks and say, well, what if, you know, the Seahawks have been, you know, not as good as their record indicates too. Well, yeah, but Seattle actually played San Francisco twice and really probably should have beat them twice and did beat them once. Um, and was an inch away from beating them again. Literally so. an inch away. I mean, so it's just yeah. like, like I look at that and I go, you know, we, I'm not saying, like you said, we lost to the Ravens. I, we lost I, don't, to the I don't, I try not to base the, these things off of like who you've almost beaten or who you've beaten right, right, compared right. to what they've done against other teams. Cause those are divisional games too. Oh, and yeah. Division opponents always play each other closer than, you know, than the rest of the league. Oh, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you look at, I mean, you look at what the Seahawks have done and really, the only game that they've just gotten completely outmatched in, or the two games that they've gotten completely outmatched in, were against the Rams and against the Cardinals. And those are probably, you know, nothing more than just a fluke, really. You know, the, but I don't know. I, I think they'll keep it close. I don't think this will be like most of their divisional games that they played in the past where they're going to be down by like 30 at halftime and then Russell's going to have to pull out some magic out of his 
rear and you know but i i don't know especially this pass rush against their offensive line yeah. aaron Rodgers is gonna have a lot of times and you know i i'm i know there's a lot of people out there that think aaron Rodgers is super overrated i'm not necessarily one of them i i've seen that guy do a lot of really cool things and i don't know i i i feel very concerned um but again you know also this year with the way that this year has gone i i'm gonna be real with you i haven't had a lot of fun watching the seahawks this year they've been kind of a pain in the ass to watch and so you know i i have enjoyed them thoroughly so (laughs) and so i i'm just like i'm I'm fine if they lose. This isn't one of these games where I'm like totally, utterly nervous. Now, if they win this game and we're went away from a super, you know, I think going we're going to the, going to the Bowl, Super Bowl if we win this game. To be honest with you, yeah. And well, you know, and you think back on like some of these other wild card teams that have gone into the Super Bowl. You think about like the Giants and and all those teams. They had to go through Lambeau in this round. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a, yeah, that's that's kind of a thing because it's it's not just playing the Packers. It's you're going to Lambeau Field, and there is like you know, and I'm I'm a very analytical person, and I don't believe in a whole lot of like, oh well, they were more hungry and all that stuff. Like I don't, I think that's stupid. But I think there is like a certain thing that plays into the fact that you're playing at Lambeau, like uh, that that gets into the minds of certain guys and. I think that that does have a have a great effect. It'll be loud. It'll be really cold. It's not going to snow, thank God, because I think it uh, snowed like this. You never know. Uh, things change fast in the Midwest, but yeah, well, as of right true. as of right now, it's twenty three degrees, mostly sunny. Yeah. And we see, and we've seen this team play in negative nine degree weather in Minnesota, and yep, win thanks thanks to Blair Walsh. <laughs> Seahawks legend Blair Walsh. The best thing he ever did for the Seahawks was not as a member of the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, it's it is kind of crazy. Uh, It's supposed to snow on Saturday in Green Bay. Yeah, so there's, it's going to be cold. The ground's going to be hard. Um, You know, Aaron Rodgers. I think they got to run the ball. They're going to win. They they got to run the ball to some success. Um, They got to. They have to rush the passer, and they have to rush the passer. Yeah, and that, and I just I don't think they're going to be able to do that. You know, you got Bakhtiari, you got Balaga. You know, they are going to be missing Elton Jenkins and uh, right guard, but I don't know, man. It is it's it's just tough to know because we don't know what Jadavion Clowney we're going to get. Are we going to get the game record Jadavion Clowney that we saw in Philly, or are we going to get? Uh, you know, the Jadavion Clowney we saw in against San Francisco, who was just kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, that injury is so tough to, you don't know. And in the cold, that injury, I, I don't know, man, they have, they have to get after Rogers because they you're, let Rogers. You're going to need someone to step up. You're going to need Rasheem Green or Quentin Jefferson, or uh, even, you know, someone like Shaquem Griffin on these third downs. So you got to get someone that can get onto, onto Aaron Rodgers, but you know, he can move out of the pocket. You know, yeah. you you got to you got to contain in this game more more than ever, and I just don't think that this team is is able to do that. So, if I had to pick, like, if I had to pick, like, or predict the score, I'm going 
thirty to sixteen, Green Bay. Wow. Yeah, I I don't think there's any chance Seattle gets blown out. Um, you know, relatively speaking, um, I could see it being like thirty to sixteen with like four minutes left, and then they score a touchdown, but they can't. Yeah. Like kick. Yeah. You know what I mean, like that type of thing. Yeah. I just, sure. I don't know. I feel like these two teams are so similar in terms of the style where they try to get it to the fourth quarter and then they're going to trust their quarterbacks to win it. I don't think either side's going to take huge risk um, with the football in particular. I don't think you're going to see any kind of like flea flickers or anything like that. I, I don't know. It's tough. Like I said, I, I think, I think because, because of Lambeau, because of the weather and because of the injury, you know, Green Bay's relatively healthy uh, compared to Seattle. Certainly. Um, you know, you add all those factors in, and I think Green Bay probably wins this game six times out of ten. Um, so we'll see. Um, I'm looking forward to it, and like you said earlier, if they don't win this game, I don't consider it to be a disappointing season. So, um. yeah, you, you know, you're really banged up, and you know, you're you could use a lot more talent on the defensive end. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and you got a whole spring and summer to go get figure that out. And you with, got a lot of cap space. Yep, with a lot of draft picks too. So yeah, um, yeah, they're going to is... make a significant trade. You know, we know that they're probably going to make another significant trade. I would prefer well, if it was Chris Harris. Just saying, just putting that out. Isn't there. he a free agent? No, he's got another year one, left. One more. He's a free oh. agent after next year. Yeah, I think Chris Harris would be. A I don't pretty, know if I'm spending a first round pick on a slot corner. Um, you got two. You got two twos though. You can, Trade them yeah, a two. I, yeah, they're I, probably I, not going to get a first. They're probably not going to get a first, but I would trade a two for them. We'll see. We are definitely going to have to revive our Seahawks podcast in the off season, uh, yeah. because quite frankly, that is a much more fun time to talk about football on a weekly basis. Because there's really only so much you can say that you haven't yeah. said for the last like six weeks on those type of things. So, yeah. but anyway, I'm just, I'm just I'm looking forward to you know Seahawks Twitter melting down. Yep, and yep, yep. We're Always. gonna we're we're gonna be focusing on this Green Bay game for the next eight months. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Analyzing how you know Pete didn't do so and so, or they didn't use Russell enough, or I can't believe Russell I, only threw it 35 times. If he had thrown it 40 times, they would have won. Yeah. Uh, and fun, you know, you, you, know you know, Colby. If if you run the ball twenty times, you automatically win the football game, right? <laughs> if you're if your running back gets twenty carries, it's it's over. You you win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. The analytics folks and the non <sighs> like the the extreme flanks of those two sides, they both make me laugh so much. It's so bad. It's so bad. Seriously, I, I, I'm honestly not looking forward to when the Mariners are good because it's going to be <laughs> hell on Twitter. And I mean, with how honestly, pessimistic, with how pessimistic people are about the Mariners right now, and then seeing like when they have a good team and the Seahawks, <laughs> like if this if the Mariners become true. good over the next couple of years, it is going to be the worst thing I've ever experienced. <laughs> You know, it is insane to me that I have to actually defend Pete Carroll as a good coach in the year 2020 um, on a weekly basis. And when the Mariners win 95 games in the, you know, the AL West, and people will be like, well, they would have won 100 if Jerry hadn't traded this scrub prospect for this reliever. So be like, Ugh. I, I don't know, man. I, I look forward to the day where we're breaking down pitching matchups for an ALDS. Um yeah, but yeah. The dealing with the, but a lot of Seahawks Twitter 
folks have to deal with. I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, um, I think that's going to wrap up our podcast. We actually went over an hour, which, um, you know, thanks to taking some liberties with our. Oh, quote, you, but... you didn't, you didn't do your score prediction. You have to do your score prediction. Okay. Um, like I said, yesterday I said 23, 20 green Bay and that has been printed. Uh, so I probably should stick with that, but uh, today I'm kind of feeling 24, 21 Seahawks. So, um, I just, I, I honestly, I do not know how to feel like about this game. Like, I think they can win. I think it's unlikely they win, but I think they can. And it's not because green Bay is like significantly better. I just look at all the advantages that green Bay has right now. And it's just tough Seattle. So, um, but we'll see how all that goes. Um, (laughs) but anyways, uh, I think we're going to wrap this up now. Um, hope you guys enjoyed our, yeah, I'm sure somebody out there is complaining about the 15 minutes of Seahawks talk. Um, deal with it. It's yeah. our podcast. We could talk about whatever we want. Um, yeah. But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we will be back with you next week. Um, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, or as I'm going to say in a pre-recorded message that Ty has not heard, um, make sure you click the links in the description down below. Uh, our good buddy, Dan Clark, uh, who used to be a, a contributor here at Soto Mojo, was the co-host of the podcast when we first rebooted this thing. Uh, he is a, he is an Australian fellow and you guys, you've been watching the news, you know, that Australia is absolutely decimated by wildfires right now. Um, he's reached out to us to ask us, uh, to, you know, retweet some of the links and some of the places you can donate. Um, and so we're going to do that for him. Um, and, you know, hope that him and his family and his friends, they're all safe. Uh, for right now, um, last we've heard they're, they're in a pretty good spot. They're safe. Um, they're not in danger, but you know, hundreds of thousands of people, uh, they, they desperately need our help. So uh, make sure you click the links down there and donate, uh, whatever you can would, would help. Um, but yeah, those links will be in the description down below. Thank you so much for listening to the Soto Mojo podcast. Uh, this is Colby Patnode with Ty Gonzalez. We are signing off and I will see you in another life. Peace out. Bye.